0: Hi, and welcome to my podcast on the grow. I'm Grace Lee. This is the fourth episode into the new series called Red Flag Series. If you're new here, I launch my podcast episodes in different seasons that focus on a certain topic. For this season, I was inspired by the daily devotional plan I'm currently reading on red flags. It got me thinking about the red flags we experience on a daily basis. Whether it's through friendships, relationships, career, or yourself, red flags are there to give us warnings. The previous episode was all about a toxic work culture, and four red flags to spot one, how to slowly integrate out of one, and all that stuff. But in today's episode called, That's What Happened, You, inspired by a favorite line from Taylor Swift's latest and greatest... I talk about five red flags to look for in yourself. I mean, do you know how often we're so ready to detect red flags in our new love interests or new friendships that we forget to spot the red flags in ourselves? We're so quick to judge someone else's actions that we overlook our own red flags. I'll talk about five flags, self-deprecation, dependency, Self work, self centeredness, commitment issues, how to spot them, and more. But before I get into this episode, I wanted to do a life recap. So we've made it to Thanksgiving week, and I am back at my parents' home in Fayetteville, North Carolina to spend some extra time with my family, minus my sister who unfortunately couldn't be here this Thanksgiving. And it's always nice to get away from New York City, the hustle and the bustle, and just to get some downtime and spend time with family is always much needed. So I'm excited to be having this little mini break, as I would say. But I wanted to rewind a little to a few days ago when I was on the subway the other day, commuting from events with a few of my favorite brands and companies, And I remember I was sitting on the 4 Express train and while I was loading 120 photos and videos to an iCloud shared album to a client, I found myself, quote, stuck in the sense that I couldn't use my phone until the content was loaded. Have you guys ever experienced this yourselves where... Something's downloading or something's loading and it takes up the entire screen and you can't do anything until it's done. And to make another point, now, if you haven't been on a New York City subway, usually everyone is either on a device, reading a book, or talking to someone else, or sleeping. But I looked up from my phone as my phone was in loading mode and took a look around. Everyone's head facing downwards to their devices in their hands, madly typing away a text message, uh, scrolling Instagram or TikTok, looking through their photos, playing Candy Crush or whatever the new games are these days. Everyone in their own little world. I low key love it though, because in a place like New York City, everyone does their own thing, regardless of who is watching. And it's quite liberating, really. Anyway, back to the story. The gray loading circle was barely even moving. And then, randomly, it would jump to the next tick. And I'd be staring intensely at my phone in frustration, wishing it would give me at least a proper countdown so I had an idea of when the loading was complete. You know, like I'm on the four express train for, I don't know how many stops, but I can't do anything else but wait for this to load. I know it sounds like a complaint, but I'm just being dramatic here. And you know, it's funny because I got this parallel in that given moment. Have you noticed that we treat ourselves like that? When we don't see progress in ourselves or in the things we do, we get frustrated we're so quick to react rather than to respond when we're making little progress and then suddenly the loading bar in our lives just stop and we can't see the progression. We can't see the tick mark inching forward because the progress isn't visible even though it is loading. We want to see progress like a big bold sign waving in front of us like, Hey Grace, you're one-fourth of the way there. Keep going. You're close. But sometimes progress isn't always visible. And it makes me wonder if we would rather see the tick moving slowly, tracking some sort of progress, or if we'd rather see it jump randomly at a faster pace. Which one would you prefer? You know, I thought about that the whole way home even when the videos and photos finally loaded and when it did thank goodness i couldn't help but smile at the parallel and how excited i was to share that in the podcast so if you saw someone grinning ear to ear coming off the 4 train on the upper east side last week that was probably me there's this tiktok trendy video that's going around where the audio starts out like is it me am i the drama no, I can't be the drama, something along those lines, that was me trying to imitate it. And I can't help but to think, maybe someone should create one that goes, is it me? Am I the red flag? (laughs) Or maybe it should be me creating it. Who knows? Thought I should put that out there in case anyone's thinking about it. Probably not thinking about it. But anyway, speaking of TikTok, I shared a video that was rather unexpected of me to share. But in that moment, it felt right, too. A few hours before sharing it, I had a mental breakdown. Something triggered me. I'm going to keep that information private. But I was triggered by something, and I found myself breaking down in a public setting. I rushed to the nearest bathroom and tried to compose myself. After 10 minutes of deep breaths in and out, some tears here and there, I found myself in need of a makeup touch-up and the emotions on my face from the video I posted of me reapplying my makeup are actually real. I managed to capture something raw and in the moment of me reapplying my makeup after a mental breakdown. And now I'm curious, do you guys have mental breakdowns? If yes, how do you deal with them? What is it that triggers you? I know we all have different triggers and stress points, but I'm genuinely curious what it is that triggers someone to break down mentally. And if you're open to sharing, please DM me at bygracelee because I'd love to hear from you. All right, then. Let's get into the five red flags to look for in ourselves. A subject that I'm sure many of us are dying to dive into. All right, number one. If I had a dollar for every time, we are so hard on ourselves. I mean, how many of us have imposter syndrome? How many times have you felt you didn't deserve something, or you aren't worthy of achieving this or taking credit for that? Too often, am I right? Imposter syndrome is real, and many of us still feel the repercussions of the actions we take because of it. I had a past conversation with someone. He used to be in my life, And most of the conversations were based upon his self-deprecation. He would belittle his knowledge and undervalue himself when it came to achievement or success. And to constantly belittle yourself? I mean, I'm a firm believer that the things you tell yourself consistently become you. Meaning, the thoughts become you. You become those thoughts. It's kind of like running. Think about it. The majority of training for a race, whether it's a 5K or a marathon, is mental. The percentage of training your mind is greater than training your physicality. Because you can consistently train your body to get accustomed to the longer distances and miles. But at the end, it's going to be your mental state that will cross you over that finish line. If you're at the last leg of the marathon, let's say mile 25 with one more mile to go, your body is going to be so sore. Your legs are going to want to quit, but your mind is what will push you through that final mile. If you're telling yourself you won't be able to finish or keep going, then you're probably right. Your body is in tune with your mind and it will probably stop. But if you're pushing yourself mentally if you've trained your mind to be stronger than the physical pain and to motivate yourself to the finish line, you're going to keep going. And it stuns me just how powerful our minds are. We underestimate the strength that comes from our mental state. And to go back to our point on imposter syndrome, if you're telling yourself that you aren't worthy, you don't deserve that raise, or you don't know if you have the skills to do X, Y, or Z, then you're right, you don't. Because that is what you are choosing to believe about yourself. Self-deprecation is such a huge red flag because if you believe you're not worthy of yourself, then you're definitely not in a healthy place to be with anyone else either. Which leads me to my second point, dependency. If you think that getting into a relationship with someone else will help improve your life and make all your problems go away, you're dead wrong. If you think that a partner will help you figure out how to find yourself, think again. Too many people get into relationships because they want a partner to swoop in and help them sort their life out. How many times have you heard people start their love stories like, My life was in such a mess until I found the one. And before you know it, we're all ooing and aahing over their cute love story, hoping we'd secretly find a partner like that too. Now, wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to do all that self-work ourselves? So I attended Candace Bushnell, the OG real-life Carrie Bradshaw's one-woman off-Broadway show last week, with a girlfriend of mine, and her life story was quite... Mm, intriguing... I would have said a wild ride, but I wanted to focus more on the aspect of my biggest takeaways. And I shared this also on Instagram, but wanted to rehash about it here. A lot of Carrie Bradshaw's life in the fictional Sex and the City series is based off of Candace's life living in New York City. And one of the things I find inspiring about Candace is her boldness to change the game for a woman in general. Especially during a time when it was taboo for women to write publicly about sex, dating, relationships, and subjects women tend to shy away from. And another takeaway was this. I love that she is sharing a message for women to be your own Mr. Big, as opposed to being with Mr. Big. I come across far too many women who are so dependent on men, or feel the need to always have a significant other. They feel like they are worthless or unlovable for being single, but that's far from the truth. And on the topic of singleness, can we normalize singleness as a gift? Most of all my hometown friends are engaged, married, and already have a baby on the way, or two. And even having a conversation with one of them not too long ago, she pointed out in a pitiful way saying that I would find someone. Don't worry. Oh, I'm not worrying. In fact, I'm in such a good place with myself and it took me being single to figure that out. By myself. Again, a significant other is not going to magically fix your life. That happens on your own. Singleness is a gift and we need to embrace it that way. Sure, the journey is lonely at times, But I know so many people who are lonely in relationships. So what does that say? Wouldn't you rather value your time with someone who is respectful and loving and kind to you and your time? And if you can't find that person, then be that person. That's how I changed my thinking. And honestly, it's been so liberating living that way. I'll end the dependency red flag on this note. It takes strength to walk away from something that isn't serving you or making you happy. You're strong for realizing you deserve better. Don't forget that you attract the right person when you have a sense of who you are. Red flag number three. When it comes to the red flags in ourselves, it's usually because we have a lot of work we need to do internally. And you know, and you know, self-work doesn't require two people. Shifting a bit from dependency here, but we all have our own baggage, our own issues and problems that need solving or redirecting. And to not use our own time to figure out these things is a disservice to ourselves. We should learn how to work on ourselves. Many of us might not know where to start or what to do, but that's the beauty of self-work, isn't it? You learn as you go. You learn through the trials and tribulations called life, And just to note, just because you work through your issues and problems, doesn't mean it ends there. When you get the dream job you want, it's not a rainbow. It's not you make it over to the other side of the rainbow and you get your pot of gold and it's all rainbows and butterflies from there. (laughs) No. I mean, when you get the dream job you want, do you think your career ends there? So what makes you think that if you work your current problems out, you're all good? You're all set. Same thing. You being able to solve your own issues gives you the notion that you're able to be independent all on your own. Congratulations. Everyone is capable of doing so. It's just a matter of you choosing it or wanting it badly enough. But here's another red flag. When you're too invested in yourself. Do you know how draining it is to be with someone who is all about himself or herself? You have to consider your own feelings and theirs, at all times. It's no wonder we see so many failed relationships where it's one-sided, and one of the partners demands more attention and is not willing to give the other the same in return. I see a lot of these self-care emails going around, and they always state, self-care isn't selfish. And I agree, to a certain extent. Some people, they take it way too far. They take the literal sense that self-care means self-centeredness and selfishness and forego anyone and anything for themselves. And that is a big red flag. If you're too centered around yourself, then you really don't have time and energy for anyone else. Just know that. And investing in yourself, it's not a bad thing. But the issue is when you decide to bring someone else, into your own mix of self-centeredness and continue forth building a relationship around it. That sounds unhealthy from the get-go. And you shouldn't base any relationship off something when it serves only you well. Next red flag. When people think commitment issues, they tend to think about relationships. Though that is also a red flag, it also applies to things like Committing to a goal, event you promised you'd attend, a deadline, those kind of things. A common question in the dating world, especially coming from my generation, is this. Why does she have commitment issues? Why does he have commitment issues? And you know, I used to be in a situationship with someone who also had commitment issues. Excuses on why he couldn't commit or the fear of commitment always came up. Trying to understand the reasonings was frustrating, to say the least. And you'll notice that those with commitment issues in relationships will also have commitment issues elsewhere. Maybe they don't commit to the event they promised they'd go with you. Maybe you're not a priority. Maybe they're fearful. I mean, I could go on and on, but... There are so many reasons why people have these issues. And maybe it's time you dig within. Why do you have trouble committing to things, events, or people? What is it that prevents you from making commitments? Is it fear that you won't be able to live up to your own expectations or theirs? I've always grown up with this mentality that if I say I'm gonna do something, I do it because If not, you become unreliable. You're not a valuable source for not just for yourself, but for for people. And, you know, I did this not really in a way to prove myself to anyone else, but rather to myself, to hold myself accountable for the things I say or do. Because once you set that standard with yourself, you learn what value truly means. Out of curiosity, do you know one person in your life who you secretly know that if you make plans with them, you'll expect a 50-50 chance it'll happen? It's not a full 100% yes from them, just merely a possible yes or a maybe. I've always wondered what goes into their minds when they reply back like that, when they don't properly communicate the reason. I did have someone like that, actually, which bugged me. So much that I just stopped inviting that person anywhere. To have to take into consideration whether the person you invited is going to show or not is a red flag. And just between you and I, I was going to have my next episode be on passive aggressive people, aka red flags and people who are petty. But thought that would be a lot of name calling on too many people I know. So we're not going to go that route. I hope you'll take some time to think about these red flags and spotting any of them in ourselves. I think it's so healthy to check ourselves every once in a while. We can get blinded by the things we love or the things we want, that sometimes those red flags don't seem as visible. After all, when you look at someone through rose-colored glasses, all the red flags just look like flags. Be sure to follow along and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Stay tuned and keep listening to the next episode where I cover another topic on the red flags we experience on a daily basis. This time I'm taking you with me through my business, red flags in social media. And as always, if you have any questions, feedback or topic suggestions, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Thanks for tuning in.